They're speakers, authors, and real-life rock stars, bringing you life-changing thoughts that rock. Taking conversation all the way to 11. Most shows only go to 10. Well, it's one louder, isn't it? These go to 11. To 11. This is Thoughts That Rock. Now, here are your hosts, Jim Knight and Brant Menswar. We're no strangers to love. No, we're not. You know the rules, Brant. I do. And so do I. Do you? A full commitment, mm-hmm. you know, that's what I'm thinking of. Is it? Really? And you wouldn't get this from any other guy. Well, I just want to tell you how I'm feeling, Jim. Go ahead. I've got to make you understand. Never going to give. give never going to give. Never going to let you down. No. Never going to run around and really? desert you. I'm never going to make you cry. Right. And I will never say goodbye. No. Never going to tell a lie. Really? And hurt you. No. Never going to give. Never (laughs) going to give. Never going to give. Never going to (laughs) give. We just rickrolled our audience and it's only season three. Yeah, we did. Hey, welcome everybody. Welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on Thoughts at Rock. Yep. It's the podcast that is about exchanging stuff. Mildly entertaining. You know, we do it in about a half an hour. Whatever. You know, hey. Sometimes it takes longer. We're not just in the United States. I don't know if no. you knew that. No. Uh, you know, we're huge in countries like Uzbekistan. Mm-hmm. Indonesia. Yep. Germany. Costa Rica just made its way onto the map. Really? Mm-hmm. Far from Nugan. Still two people in South Korea. They're hanging on and listening. <sighs> uh, you know. We're huge. In, we are. In Portugal. And all of that yep. supports Cannibal Kids Cancer. Every single last bit of it. Yeah. What, what, what do they do? Well, Jim, let me tell you. Don't, don't yell at me. Uh, sorry. Stay a little bit lower. I, I took too long, large of a breath. Um, typically, Cannibal Kids Cancer uh, fights to find treatments for kids who run out of options. And so... We like to support them because they fund options when they're not found, and that's why we've been involved with them since the very first time we recorded this podcast, and why we'll continue to support them in everything they do. We were incredibly excited to to be with them during their giant fundraiser um, that they had a few months ago where they raised over $600,000, which is just friggin' amazing. Yep. And... um we want you to support them as well. So check them out at cannibalkidscancer.org. And listen, while you're doing that, yep. I know that you're trying to look for a little bit of development in your life, a little bit of leadership nuggets, we like to say. We Teeny get it. Weeny. Yes. You got a lot of stuff happening in your life, mm-hmm. I'm sure, now that you're back in the swing of things. In the saddle. But honestly, it doesn't even matter what you're doing right doesn't. now. Not you could all. be, let's say, crafting edible arrangements. Mm, yummy. Maybe you're tuning out your brother. <laughs> Jerk. Maybe you're looking for forest fires atop a ranger station. That's what Smokey said. Doesn't really matter. We just want to be the 30 minutes that you've been looking forward to all week. Or just if you want to waste some time. (laughs) Either one. You know what? How about just listen? 
Oh, man. Our guest today is my awesome friend, Tommy Spaulding, who's the president and founder of Spaulding Companies, which is a leadership development and speaking training and executive coaching firm that is based in Denver, Colorado. First and foremost, Tommy, welcome to Thoughts That Rock. Good morning, Jim. How are you? I'm good. You're on the line with Brand as well. We're we're here talking about how fantastic you are, man. <laughs> yeah, I got such a great background. Taking it, taking it, thanks, Brand. Taking a minute, <laughs> taking a minute to get you here, but man, we are so excited to have you here with us. We are. So Tommy's uh, full bio is going to be in the show notes, uh, but I thought just a, a couple real quick, cool highlights. First off. As long as I've known him, he's always led this life of service and philanthropy, um, was actually formerly the president and CEO of Up With People, and you know, Brant, how positive that, that yeah, organization is. Absolutely. He's the founder of the National Leadership Academy and the Global Youth Leadership Academy. He's written two best-selling books, The Heart-Led Leader, one of my favorites, and uh, It's Not Just Who You Know. And he's currently working on a third book. Hopefully we can talk about that. And now he's one of the best keynote speakers we know. He's just inspiring people to live and lead and love differently. So we, we can't thank you enough, Tommy, for just taking a few moments to share some of your, uh, your wisdom with our audience. Thank you so much. Thank you. I'm, I'm blushing, Jim, after reading that bio. My, my mother must have written that one. <laughs> <laughs> we did get a hold of her. She yes. said good things about you. <laughs> Most, mostly good things. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, Tommy, you know, um, if you've listened to the show, of course, we're not going to do the, the long interview format and, and do a deep dive into the background. We want to get right to the heart of you sharing an awesome piece of advice. That's what, uh, that's what our audience looks forward to. So we're going to leave the floor open to you, my friend. What is your thought that rocks? Thoughts that rock, number one. Well, I think every person has to make a choice in their life. Um, and what kind of leader they want to be. And um, I think there's two types of leaders out there. I mean, there's billions of people on the planet, and there's two types of leaders. There's servant leaders, and there's self-serving leaders. And no one wakes up and says, you know, I can't wait to be a self-serving leader today. Yeah. Um, No one chooses to be that. But to choose to be a servant leader, to choose to be what I call a heart-led leader, is really, really hard. So, Jim, my thoughts that rock is that every morning that we wake up, that we choose to be a servant leader and um, to be a heart-led leader, and our organizations and the people that follow us will be different because we make this choice every morning. I love that. I love it. And I said that, you know, that first book that you did, you know, um, you know, Heart-Led Leader, I've just, I've, I've talked about it and used it quite a bit. Um, h- how did that advice sort of change your life? How did that direct your life? And where did that come from in the first place? Yeah, well... It's interesting. Um, a lot of when we become thought leaders and we write books, it's not just because we're experts on the subject. Like I, I, I wouldn't say that I'm an expert on servant leadership and hard-led leadership. That sets up tall order to fill. But I've had a lot of jobs in my life. Yeah. From being in McDonald's when I was 14 years old to being a lifeguard when I was 15 to delivering pizza when I was for Domino's when I was 16. I mean, hundreds of jobs. And I've had incredible bosses that I would have done anything for. I would have worked 50, 60, 70, 80, 100 hours a week because they were humble and genuine and authentic and real and vulnerable, and they believed in me. They, they invested in me. They, they took time to get to know me as a person, my family, my mom, my dad, my kids, uh, my, my sisters, my siblings, my wife now, man, my own kids. Um, and then I've just had asshole bosses, like mm-hmm. total narcissist pigs, like 
they're all about themselves and they're all about their ego and 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 I hated working for these people. And I guess I got motivated by teaching servant leadership and heart led leadership is because the truth is is like eighty percent of the world is self serving leaders. Eighty percent of the CEOs, eighty percent of the managers, eighty percent of the doctors, lawyers, I mean everything eighty percent are self serving people. Hmm. And I just decided to help flip that because before I die, I hope 80% of the world is a heart-led leader and the other 20% are narcissists, you know. <laughs> but right now, we're, we're losing the battle. So we have a tall order because most of corporate America, most organizations, most high schools, most colleges, most universities, most hospitals, most law firms are run by people that put themselves first. Yeah. And my argument, Jim, is if you put others first, and you, you live what I call the four most important words in leadership, and that's, it's not about you. Yeah. It's not about you. Those are four most important words. And if you can live a life that way, how amazing things happen to your organization. Mm, love it. So, Tommy, what would be, a, let's say you, we've got somebody listening right now, and they say, you know what, I, that's what I want to be. I want to be a heart-led leader. What is a, What are some practical ways that people can start to become heart-led leaders? Well, um, you can't just read a book and say, I'm going to be a heart-led leader. Right. You first, you have to really make an assessment of who you are. And this is kind of deep. I'm not sure we can cover this whole thing in a podcast, but I really found out uh, why there's so many people that aren't heart-led leaders. Um, it's not because there's bad people in the world. It's because there's broken people in the world. Mm -hmm. And to be a heart-led leader, to be a servant leader, to live a life where it's all about others, to live a life that you... It's not about you. You have to love yourself. You have to believe in yourself. You have to have the confidence in who you are. Um, because if not, when you're in a position of authority, if you don't love yourself, then you need the attention. You need the credit. You need the recognition. You need the corner office. You need to go first because you're filling that void, that hole. And I know this because I'm that guy. I mean, I graduated high school with a 2.0 GPA. Jim, you know my story. Mm -hmm. I'm totally dyslexic. I graduated college with a 2.0. I and mean, I tell people I graduated with a 4.0 only if you took my high school GPA <laughs> and he added it to my college GPA. I don't think I mean, it I, works that I, way. I, I'm totally the bottom of my class. I mean, I, I struggled. Yeah. And I wasn't really athletically gifted and artistically gifted. And I just loved people when I was a kid. But I barely got through school. Really struggled with dyslexia. And really struggled with self-confidence. And when I was in high school, I ran for class president. I was an Eagle Scout. I was involved. I went to college. I was fraternity president and student government president and, and you know, um, fraternity president and class president. I joined all these things and did all these things to mask my pain that I didn't really believe in myself. Mm. I thought I was stupid. Mm. I thought I was dumb. And it took me a long time to figure out that dyslexia is a gift. And I have to overcome it. And I love myself who I am today as a humble, genuine man. And because I'm able to love myself, now I'm able to love and serve others. And so to answer your question, Brent, the first thing we have to do as leaders is to, to ask ourselves, do I have self-confidence? Do I really believe in myself? And if you don't, we need to work on that. Because mm -hmm. if you can't fix that hole in your heart, you'll constantly be you know, reaching for the recognition you know, putting yourself first to fill your little void. That's the most key thing to being a heart-led leader is to love others, love yourself, so then you can love and serve others. Yeah, I think it's it's so easy 
to reach for everything else to try to fill that hole um, with with things that we shouldn't be doing, right? And that, and I think that's probably one of the worst temptations uh, for leaders is to, rather than than be vulnerable, rather than expose yourself to to the the sort of bone crushingly honest conversations that need to happen between you and yourself, um, it's just easier to to stuff whatever you possibly can into that hole in your life. Yeah. You know, one thing I noticed, you were using sort of that, that analogy of, of a, a broken person, and all of us are broken, you know, for sure. But the one thing that stands out, and I've known this from the time that I met you, you use the word love a lot. I mean, it's always been a big anchor for you, not just personally, but also in business, um, which by many is probably considered really taboo. It flies in the face uh, of that. And, and you, I don't know, you espouse it effortlessly. It's like saying hello, like breathing for you. Where does that come from? Yeah. You know, when I told my publisher that I wanted to write a book about love and business, because that's what hard led leadership really is, is, is loving others. Yeah. I, I, I tell this story about my, about my grandfather. Um, he, he, he loved my grandmother and they, they grew up, they grew, they came on from Italy and they lived in White Plains, New York. They're first generation Italians. They were married for 56 years. They ran a hairdress studio in White Plains, New York called Helen and Anthony's hairdress studio. They cut and styled women's hair. And for 56 years, they were married. They were um, business partners for 40 years. So I grew up in a very humble um, you know, background, but watching my grandparents love and serve each other. And my grandmother eventually had a stroke, and, and my grandfather kind of helped to rebuild Tate and visit her at the nursing home. Just an amazing love story, just how he honored her and loved her. And um, it was really modeled what, what unconditional love was. But on his deathbed, he had a brain tumor and we hired hospice to help him get to heaven. And on his deathbed, everyone was going around the table, you know, the bedside. You know, his four daughters, his 14 grandkids, his great-grandchildren, all telling Papa. His, his name was Anthony, but he say, you know, grandfather, uh, Papa in Italian, Papa, we love you. You know, Anthony, we love you. Dad, we love you. And then he looks up, and before he dies, his last words were, stop telling me you love me. Don't tell me you love me. Show me you love me. Hmm. And that's when it just triggered to me, uh, Jim and Brent, that that's what servant leadership is all about. It's not telling people you love them, but you show people you love them through your actions. Hmm. And that's what love in the workplace really is. It doesn't mean you go around hugging everyone and telling all your customers you love them. Although I do tell some of my customers I love them. Yeah. But it's really using your actions that people know that you love them, you care about them because of how you treat them and the actions that you have. And so I do use the word love in the workplace because if you look up the word love in the dictionary, as my good friend Steve Farber says, it doesn't say not applicable Monday through Friday, nine to five. Yeah. <laughs> We've been brainwashed the wrong way for 250 years. Bring your heads to work and leave your hearts where? At home. home. Yep, yep. For your wife, your kids, your, your husband. And that's just bullshit. It is. I mean, you have to connect the head and the heart and bring your hearts to work. I mean, for years, we were told to be strategic, leave from, the, leave from your head, strategic, analytical, thinkers, visionaries, um, financial-minded. I mean, we, 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 the smartest person in the room was often the leader. Yeah, yeah. And that's just crock of shit because we have to connect the head and heart and bring our hearts to work. And the hearts is where we have our humility and our love and our service of others and our authenticity and our vulnerability. 
and those are the skills that make great leaders. And I've been blessed to work in this thought leadership space for 20 years now and interviewed and met thousands of incredible heart-led leaders. And um, the reason why they're successful at work is because they lead from their heart and they lead with love. And they might not say the word, I love you, but they sure as hell show the word I love you mm-hmm. yeah, by their actions, by their people every day. Yeah. 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 It's, it's interesting, Tommy. You know, when I, uh, I, I speak a lot on, uh, actually one of the titles of my keynotes is unbreakable leaders, uh, leadership. And, and I look at it and I laugh because what you're talking about here is, you know, in the music business, the, the, the job of every songwriter is to do one thing and that's to connect the head and the heart. Um, and when you connect the head and the heart, it engages your limbic brain, your limbic brains where all of your emotional long-term memory is stored. And that's why people remember the lyrics to the songs you write. And so in, in that same way, you know, what I encourage people to do is, you know, these, the core values that you possess, right. I, I, they, are born out of your heart, but they're connected to the experiences in your head. And, and yeah. when you, when you're able to connect those two things together, um, the whole point of my talk of being unbreakable is that the first thing you have to realize is that you're already broken. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's, that's number one. And, and rather than trying to stop yourself from continuing to break, why don't you focus on the stuff that's holding the brokenness together? And those are those yeah. core values, those most important head and heart things that are holding the brokenness together. And if you can focus on that, it really gives you a great shot to be a heart-led leader. Yeah, yeah, well put. You know, it's. Uh, I was thinking about when we were going to have Tommy on the show, and I was thinking about you, Brant, because you know you guys are both extremely passionate, obviously authentic when you're on stage. But I think every time I've seen Tommy on stage, he gets emotional. And I know some people probably initially will think, well, geez, I wonder if this happens all the time. But, you know, by his admission, he, he really gets into the story of whatever he's sharing. But when he starts thinking about passing on this love sort of language to other people, it's um, I, I think you probably it hits you every single time. I bet you do out of the hundred gigs you do a year. I bet you that's something that happens to you every single every single time. Right. Well, not every, if I'm talking about budget accounting, sometimes I, <laughs> I should talk about love it doesn't work. But, you know, when I talk about my grandparents and that story, I just yeah. hear it or this, this, this thing that happened in my life and you just talk about it, it's hard not to get um, emotional. But I, um, I pride myself of being a, a speaker that doesn't really care about, um, you know, how I sound but I, I, or how I, how I um, feel, meaning there's... There's, a, there's like two types of speakers. There's a speaker that gets up on stage and says, uh, let me tell you how smart I am. Let me tell you about all the success I've had. And if you listen to me close enough, you too can be as smart and successful as me. Yeah. That's speaker A. Speaker B is, let me tell me how many times I've effed up in the world, <laughs> how many mistakes I've made. And thank God I surrounded myself with men and women that have mentored me and coached me and taught me the way. And I love to share with you some of the things I've learned from these people to make my life better and maybe can make yours as well. Mm-hmm. And I've just always wanted to be Speaker B because I hate this Speaker A, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and there's plenty of them. And Jim, that's what makes you successful too. I've seen you speak and you just have such a gift when you speak. Of course, you have all this knowledge with working for the Hard Rock and what you've done for them. But you come across so humble and genuine because you admit your faults, you admit your mistakes. We're all broken people. We're all not perfect husbands and wives and parents and leaders. We all make mistakes. And the ones that can get up on stage 
and, and that's my stage is this actually stage, but you, you might be a teacher. That's your stage. Yeah. Or you might be a doctor. That's your stage. Or you might be a, a, a school principal. That's your stage. Or you might be a sales manager. That's your stage. Everyone has a stage. And if you get on stage every day at your work and you're authentic and genuine and vulnerable and you say, I don't have all the answers. I don't know all the answers. All I know is I care about you and I want to learn with you. Yeah. People are going to follow you. Yeah, I love that. Well, I appreciate it too. And and you had mentioned Steve Farber, who's who's been on our show. I mean, it's just oh, I love that freaking dude. Is, and you talk <laughs> about being smart. I mean, he sort of has the he's got both ends. I mean, he can do it in such a way that he does have all this experience. He was sort of one of the original speakers. Just from a leadership standpoint, you, you fall in love with the guy. I love his writing, but again, just very genuine, authentic humbleness that comes about um, from a servant leadership standpoint. Um, and, and again, it's not about you. We were just, we were talking to our friend, Ty Bennett, um, who, who put it into a book analogy. He said, you know, when he talked to Stephen Covey, his advice from Covey was write a book for the reader and not the writer. And again, it was a servant leadership type of mindset. Um, and I just, I, I think you're right, man. I, if there were more people like that in the world, we'd be in a much better place, right? <laughs> There's no doubt yeah, about yeah. that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Brilliant. It actually, it's a great transition. So, so our thought that we want to share with you, Tommy, comes from uh, a friend of ours, fellow fellow speaker, author Bob Berg, um, and his thought was this: Thoughts that rock, number two. Those who achieve great things that the world will never forget start out by accomplishing small things that the world will never see, and. You know, coming from this idea of being a heart-led leader, I, I guess the question I have for a lot of people, and I think that this is this is tough, is how do they stay engaged with the work when they're not receiving any recognition for what they're doing? So if they're accomplishing things that actually the world will never see, how do you keep yourself engaged if you're not getting the attaboy or girl? if you're not getting the recognition that you feel maybe maybe you don't want to stand in front of everybody and receive an award but it would certainly be nice to hear that you're doing a good job how do you keep yourself engaged when you're not getting that type of recognition yeah well you mentioned Stephen Covey in, in, in one of the things you were saying before and he had this famous line um, begin with the end in mind yep and I and, and Stephen Covey was just way too smart for me to understand everything <laughs> he wrote about. But that was an easy one for for dumb people like me. Like begin with the end in mind. Yeah. I get that. And the end in mind is if you're if you're leading people and you want at the end to have recognition, then you're really not a heart led leader because heart led leaders don't strive for the recognition. Hmm. They strive to be the one that points the finger to everyone else and give them the recognition. It was interesting. Um, Jim, when I wrote the book, The Heart Led Leader, I interviewed, you know, a couple hundred leaders, mm-hmm. but I picked 18. Um, and the reason why I was 18 is that it's 18 inches from your head to your heart. That's the journey from the, from your human brain to the human heart is 18 inches. Um, and I think we need to take the journey of 18 inches from the head to the heart to connect the head and heart. So I chose 18 leaders to, that I think were the greatest heart led leaders that had unprecedented results in their organization because they built a culture of heart-led leadership. And I interviewed these 18 people, and I called all of them up on the phone. I told them I thought they were the greatest heart-led leader in the world, and I want to write a whole chapter in my book about them. And they ran Fortune 500 companies. They ran prisons. They ran high schools. I mean, they ran all kinds of organizations. And you know what they all said? 
it was like they all had a conference call and said, when Tommy Spalding calls you, <laughs> tell him the same thing. I mean, none of them knew each other. When I told them I want to write a chapter in the book, they were the greatest hardware they ever met. They all said the same thing. You know what they said? Go talk to my people? Well, no, I don't that, know. That, that was probably the second thing they no. said. But the first thing they, they said say? was, you got, the, you got the wrong guy. Yeah. You uh, got the wrong gal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I espouse to be a heart-led leader, but I am on a journey. I'm totally not there. Yeah. And you, you're writing a, a chapter in a book about the, with the wrong person because I'm not there. And that's what I realized, that even the greatest heart-led leaders in the world never admit that they are. Mm-hmm. So to go yeah. back to your question, when you lead people, it's never about you. It's never about the recognition. It's never about that. But the, the way it works is if you lead people in a genuine servant way, in an authentic way, the reality is you'll have unprecedented results because of that. And you might not get the recognition from that because you're always pointing it to the other people, but your organizations will prosper if you make that decision. Yeah. I, I think, Brant, when you first shared this, uh, this, you know, Bob Berg is great. You know, I just think he's brilliant in a lot of ways too. And I'm looking at this thought and how it connects also to the one that Tommy was sharing. And you think about if the end result is these people that are going to ultimately achieve great things, you know, they, they start with the small things. Right. And it reminds me of this, this story. I had a friend of mine who was in town, um, in Orlando where we're in central Florida, Tommy, there's a hotel here called Portofino and it's, it's basically a replica you know, replication of Portofino, Italy. And, um, you know, it's a great hotel. It's uh, managed by Lowe's management group and nobody would even know anything about that. But um, the reason I'm telling you that portion is because what I'm about to share isn't a technique. It isn't something that is shared with everybody. This is somebody who did this on their own. I had some friends of mine that were in town. They uh, they go to Universal Studios. They spend the day. They bought all this uh, you know retail stuff and a bunch of stuffed characters and whatever. They came back to their hotel room. They throw all that stuff on the floor. They have to go do dinner, so they're like racing to get ready. And when they come back in the room, or after the turndown service. They, they have, you know, the six-year-old and this eight-year-old kid, they walk into the room and all the stuffed characters are sitting in the bed with the bed turned down mm. with a remote control in That's hand cool. with a cartoon network on. These kids lost their mind. I mean, the moment that they walked in, I bet you they probably still talk about that story today. And, and I sit back and I go, some stealth housekeeper, she or he, I don't know, just decided to do this on their own. This isn't something that's taught. And I go, you know, to me, I'm going back to the quote yeah. again, Brian. I'm going, this is somebody who's doing big things, but they're just doing small little things like this to change people's lives. And I, yeah. I wonder where that person is to this day, because I guarantee you walking away from that room, you know, the sheer joy in her or his heart must have been just fantastic because she's, you know, that person's not going to be around when that moment occurs, right? Yeah. They're doing something and they're setting it up to perpetuate the moment, the experience for the future and just... I don't know. I think about people who ultimately will take on a much more grandiose stage and probably impact and influence people positively. Yeah. They do start with these small little things. I just, I love moments yeah, I like love that. that. I love those stories. Yeah. I have a, when I first started playing uh, out for people and, and, and did my first tour in 2000, 
2003? Just make up a number. What I think it was 2003. 2003, uh, you know, I had my first real guitar that I was going to take out on the road with me. And on the back of the guitar, I had this saying from Blaise Pascal that, that was taped to the back of the guitar. And it said, Lord, help me do great things as though they were little since I do them with your power. Hmm. And the little things as though they were great since I do them in your name. And that that is really sort of the same uh, idea that Bob Berg has here of you know, the little things that are really going to matter. Um, as Tommy said, we got to make sure that our hearts are in the right place and we're not trying to fill uh, our lives with something that we shouldn't be, you know, we should be doing these things because they're the right things to do. And they're, and they, yeah. uh, they're out of love and they're out of those things that matter most to us. And if we honor those things that matter most to us, then we should feel good about it, whether somebody says, hey, great job or not. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that's, it's got to be one of the toughest things, isn't it, Tommy, to, for, for leaders to... Uh, let's say that somebody has been doing this for a while. How do they continue to, I mean, I think we all fall in and out, right? So we have good times and bad times. And if things are really jamming for your business, then great. But if they're not, the tendency is to try to fill that hole again with maybe the wrong things. So how do they stay engaged over the long term? Yeah. You know, one of the things that I love doing and and we're afraid to do it because we're afraid for the feedback, but go to your people, Mm. pull them in and, and, and ask for feedback. Tell them how much you you, you, you need it and want to grow and, and create a safe culture where they, people can give you feedback. And yeah. if they don't want to give it to you face-to-face, have an anonymous way. Do a 360. Yeah. I mean, how many husbands go to their wife and say, hey, hon, or how many you know wives go to their husbands and say, hey, hon, um, just give me some feedback. Like, what's working? I know we have a kick-ass marriage, but what's not working for you? Like, what can I do better? And I guarantee you they tell you something. Yeah, yeah. And, and do it with your kids. Yeah. I mean, I actually asked my kids. I mean, they're 13 and 15 now. And, you know, what's daddy doing good? What do I need to work on? Yeah. Ask that. And the other point that I wanted to make is, you know, we used to think the world was flat. And, and now we know it's round. Like, our grandparents smoked cigarettes when, you know, our mothers and fathers were in their belly. Yeah. I mean, I think my mom had smoked. I mean, like... Like people smoked in the fifties and sixties and seventies when they had when they were pregnant. But now now we know not to do that. Yeah. And there's things that change over time as we get more knowledge. And if we talked about the word vulnerability, it, you know, people that are eighty years old now or seventy or even their sixties, some of you are in their fifties, they were just brainwashed that you're never vulnerable with your people. Yeah. With yeah. your employees, with teammates, your customers, your clients. You have to be strong. You have to know all the answers. When you don't know the answer, never admit you don't know the answer. Right. You know, make something up or, you know, but just always be in command, the commanding control. Like the, the, we had command and control leaders. And that just doesn't work anymore, guys. Yeah. It no, those days work. are gone. Yeah. And, 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 and vulnerability, it was much, like, much looked like, you know, the world's flat or smoking yeah. is okay when you're pregnant. Yeah. We know now the world's not flat. And you know now it's not good to light up when you're pregnant. Yeah. And we know now that you got to be vulnerable. Yeah. And to say, I don't know, I don't know, is powerful words. And to share your heart with your people, what you're going through. Like when they say, how are you doing? You, you, people say, I'm just doing great. Okay, focus on the business. Say, no, I'm going through a tough time. You know? Yeah. Right now, today, my wife has not been home for three days because she's up in Greeley because her mom is passing away, oh. you know, this, this week. So she's dying. And and we want to help her get to heaven, right? Yeah. My daughter's in Mary Poppins. She's got play practice, and my son's got baseball, and I got to be on a plane in three hours, and I got a lot going on. 
a lot of stress in my life. So when people say, how you doing? Instead of making some bullshit thing, saying, oh, I'm great, I say, you know what? Why don't you pray for my wife? Her mom's about to die. Yeah. And I got two kids that are really busy, and I'm overwhelmed. I got a book deadline coming up, and I'm, I'm at this end, and things are really stressful for me right now. Yeah. Well, when I, when I share that with you, what are you going to say? Wow, I got a lot going on, too. Yeah. I got this, this, this. All of a sudden, vulnerability makes you human. Yeah. And then people want to share, and then they get open up. And that's how I've never built a, a lifelong customer or a client or a friendship with just talking about the New York Yankees, yeah, how much yeah. I love them, <laughs> or how the weather is in, in Florida, is over. <laughs> or like, you know, politics, you know, yes. what I call new yes. sports weather. Yes. I've never built a lifelong friendship yep. with someone I just talked about bullshit stuff like new yeah. sports weather. Yeah. You got to go deep. And the sad thing is I know hundreds, hundreds of leaders that never go deep with their people. Yeah. Never. Yeah. It's, and that's why there's turnover. That's why there's not loyalty. You know, I, people I, want to know you're human. Yeah, and I joke with my buddies. You know, we come from the alpha world, right? And in in that sort of, you want to be this really strong male, and and uh, so I tell them always, you know, it it takes balls the size of Texas to be vulnerable the first time. It really does. But the more that you do it. You know, it only takes balls the size of Rhode Island after the tenth the tenth <laughs> time you do it, right? And that's that's the idea here is you've got get 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 the gumption to do it that first time, and it starts to become easier each additional time um, that that you want to share. And and as you're right, I, I think Tommy, that you, you just said some of the strongest relationships you have in your life have come from letting down those walls and letting people in. You know, I was thinking also the. Uh, this quote as we wrap up here, this Bob Berg quote is really about Tommy Spaulding, honestly. Yeah. You know, he is achieving great things, but he started with a lot of small little things. And, you yeah. know, ultimately leading a group like up with people or working on Youth Leadership Academy, um, you know, ultimately doing these, uh, you know, these individual retreats. I know, Tommy, you do some uh, men and women's retreats. I think about the small little things that you're doing, which are actually big things, but you're helping other people. So in your own sort of servant leadership approach, you know, you're, you're basically creating other heart led leaders and, uh, man, we just, we're a big fan of yours and just love the things you're doing. Where, where can people stay in touch with you? Where, where can, uh, you know, if they're interested, maybe going on one of the retreats, not just buying your books, but you know, anything and everything, where, where can we point people toward? Yeah, that's kind of you. Um, I have a website, it's Tommy Spalding and that's S P A U. There's a U in there. L T I N G dot com. And that's where you can find all about my books and speaking and, and retreats. But I think you know this, Jim, but I spent 20 years, this is my 21st year, you know, running the National Leadership Academy and the Global Youth Leadership Academy. And so we've had over 10,000 high school kids over the last 21 years go through my leadership program, teaching high school kids all about servant leadership. That's awesome. And every summer we bring in about 250 high school kids, black, white, Jewish, Christian, Muslim, rich, poor, all kinds of kids from all over the country. We bring them into Denver for three and a half, four days, all learning about heart and leadership. And uh, it's incredible. And we take 46 high school kids to Europe. Every summer we're going to Norway, way, way north, you know, where it's, you know, there's no coronavirus there. But we're going to take them <laughs> to the north part of Norway and yeah. teach them servant leadership. And so that's information you can get on the website as well, the nationalleadershipacademy.org and the globalyouthleadershipacademy.com. 
but I, I appreciate you asking. Yeah, man. We will definitely send people there. And again, we'll have all of this information in the show notes. I don't know if it'd be weird if Brent, you and I went to the, uh, you know, the Global Youth Leadership Academy. I could use some high school yeah. <laughs> education. We, we all could. could. We, got, we have kids that age. We could all do it. Yeah, we do. That's yeah. it. Buddy, we... Uh, Jim, we if, I, if I could just share one more other thing before yeah. wrapping up, yeah. I want to just, I want to just, I want to talk about how I first met you. I, I, we were both speaking at an event but for a bunch of CEOs of restaurant um, chains. And um, you came up to me and gave me a big hug after my talk. And the second I met you, I knew that, um, that you were real and authentic. And then I got to invite you to one of my retreats last year that you presented at. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was two years ago now. And first of all, you just, you just rocked it. You're just so good. But then after this, your talk, most speakers just get in the car and drive home. You, you joined the whole group for, for lunch. Yeah. And during your lunch, you, you just met these guys that were in this, heart, this, this retreat that were deep in you know, their two-day experience, and you just kind of tail in, be the closing speaker. We had the closing lunch, and, and you kind of opened up about your daughter and you opened up about your marriage and, and, and the, the failure of your marriage and yeah. just your career. And just I was just like, dude, I love this guy. Like, that's what, that's what people love when you can just be real and open up and be human. And uh, I'm just a fan of yours, um, and I, I'm so honored to be part of your show and your podcast, and I, I appreciate the invite. Well, I appreciate you, man. Thank you, f- number one, for saying it, but you know, that doesn't happen all the time. It's because of being around other people like yourself that made me vulnerable, that uh, it made me want to share, and made me still want to be a part of the group. So it's a mutual love affair here, brother. And, uh, you know, Brant hasn't met you yet, but, uh, I hope he gets a chance to see you do your thing and, and meet you at some point. But, uh, it took us a while to get you here, man. I think we had like three or four opportunities, oh, but that. you're, you're here. Like, like you said, oh, I'm, I'm there's, there. there's so much going on. There's probably never a good time, but you're, you're here. And we're so thankful that you just shared a little bit of knowledge with, uh, with our group. So yeah. thanks buddy. We love you a lot. And, uh, we'll see you down the road. You bet. Rock on buddy. All, All right. right. Bye-bye. Hey, rock stars. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe to make sure you don't ever miss an episode. And if you're interested in having Brant or me or both of us speak at your event, we're exclusively represented by Kepler Speakers, the industry's leading resource for booking conference keynotes. To start your unforgettable experience, go to KeplerSpeakers.com. Until next time, rock rock on. on.